How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to Golf Talk Live. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. It is U.S. Open Week. You have found Golf Talk Live, our 19th hole podcast. I am Alan DePew, and I am joined, as always, by my extremely knowledgeable panel of golf industry experts. I've got Boston Bob Baldessari, who we will be leaning on because there's a little vent going on up in the Boston area. Hello, Bobby. Good evening. We have Brendan Elliott, PGA golf instructor extraordinaire. Hello, sir. Good evening, sir. We are recording Wednesday, uh, folks, and it was like, what, 106 down in Orlando with you today? No comment. (laughs) I'm out of the oven now. And I'll tell you what, the prettiest podcaster in golf is back (laughs) from his hiatus, but he's back and he's got COVID. Thank God we're doing this remote. (laughs) Yeah, you guys don't want COVID. Christian Nazamus. You, you look good for being, you know, having the Rona. You know, I I don't feel great, but it's you know I'm plugging away. So I just want to I just want to point out, folks. I can see this. Obviously, we we record on Zoom uh, because we're all obviously in different locations. Uh, Christian, he's he's looking a little tired, so we're going to probably keep this show try to keep this thing moving a little bit. I'm looking over his shoulder though, and I've been noticing this in the background as we before we hit record. He's got the cross on the wall right behind him. I don't know if he's praying for fast recovery or if it's strategically placed right over top of his golf clubs. So <laughs> definitely plays over my golf clubs for a reason after last week. <laughs> well, well, would you like to start? I mean, we have this big thing. We had a big golf event that took place in London we need to talk about. Then we have to talk about what's going on up in Brookline and the two are on a collision course this week in New England. I was down at the shop, right? Which I'd love to tell you all about that, but I would love to hear about your little golf road trip that you just, uh, you took last week. Care uh, to share? Yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I drank way too much. Um, a boy. Yeah. I drank way too much and, uh, didn't play bad. We lost, we lost every single match in the member guest by one. So it was six and four, every match that we played, it was six and four, or we went five and five or five and a half, five and a half. Which only uh, contributed to more drinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so we, um, again, like down there, they play all year round and I've never met specifically at that club. I've never met more cocky individuals than I have in that first flight. Those guys were so cocky. They thought their shit didn't stink. They were just like, Oh yeah, I could drive my personalized golf cart around and they half them were just terrible. Their guests picked up the slack basically. So, you know, it's one thing to fist pump. It's one thing to fist pump in front of somebody right in their face. And that's so let I me ask you a question. Are you looking for the invite back at this point? I mean, I, I, I don't know how to read that. No, I'm not looking for an invite back. We'll okay. Back. All right. That's fair. Um, Andrew did not join us this week. Andy is actually at the U.S. Open. Uh, we were hoping to catch, catch up to him. I think he may be enjoying himself up there at the country club. But uh, we got to throw this out there for Andrew because if we don't, he may feel bad. His first club tournament, he partners up. They win the member. Member shoots 61. I think he – what did he say, Christian? He shot like two under on his own ball this weekend. 
Uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Two hundred on the front nine. It was a solid you, round. It, it was a solid round. I'll give kudos. I mean, hey, you go under, you go, you know, low. You go under par for thirty six. That's pretty solid. I mean, well, and you know for his putting that, stroke, you know, the Bobby Jones line. There's there's practice, there's golf, and then there's tournament golf. So, yeah. this is true. I, the apple doesn't fall from far from the tree, Alan. So. Oh well, I can I can assure you that that is not the case because I successfully uh, butchered man, many an opportunity in my my PGA days. But uh, I'll tell you, let's let's jump back to where uh, I mentioned somebody who putted extremely well, Brendan Elliott. I am going to give you a, a shameless plug here because you actually wrote about it on PGA.com. Brooke Henderson. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. She she putted extremely and and let's actually start there. Go ahead and tell the folks about your article about left hand low. And I think I even said to you in our our little group chat that I have a great story about Bill Strasbaugh. Yes, yes, and I'm looking forward to that story. But you know, I, I myself have always struggled with just missing left, and I get my right hand too active. And I go back and forth over the years. We're going left hand low. And then you see, you see someone like Brooke that she said, I think she said she's been doing it uh, for a couple of weeks now, maybe since the, uh, since the U S open. Uh, so maybe only two weeks, but just the idea of, well, when people get set up over the ball, uh, when they're putting alignment, and this is what I said in the article, alignment's a big thing that people don't necessarily either pay attention to or don't have a set of eyeballs looking at them as they're set up. So they're always a little bit off. And I think if you can go lead hand low, not leaving the lefties out of here, so we'll call it lead hand low. um, It helps set the shoulders a little bit better. And for someone like me that gets too much right hand as a righty going and shutting the face a little too premature, you get that, that lead hand low, and focus more. I focus more on the risk kind of taking the lead of, uh, of the stroke. And, you know, I just put so much better that way. And Jordan speeds a great example. There's, there's countless, it, it's gotta be almost half the tour. I would guess. I mean, that's just a pure guess, Bobby. I don't know if you would say that that's a fair estimation, but it just seems to be a really good way of being able to square up the face um, get yourself a little bit more aligned better and roll the, roll the ball a little bit better. Yeah, I've got uh, three quick comments to follow that, Brennan. Um, I think it generationally a lot more um, players today do the left-hand low. When I was at River Run Golf Club in Ocean City, Maryland, Gary Player designed. Gary came around a few times. I was there one day when somebody said, Gary, is there anything different you would do in golf if you started now? And this was in 1993, I think. The comment was made, and he immediately said, absolutely, I would learn to putt left-hand low. So that was interesting. Um, 1997, Alan, you know, where the, I played Eisenhower Golf Club. First time in my life that I decided, you know, I'm putting so bad, I'm going to putt left-hand low. I took a Odyssey Rossi out of my golf shop. Never before in my life did I putt left-hand low. Went out, shot 67, won the tournament. Uh, the $1,500 check, I came home. I said to my wife, Pam, hey, I won the tournament. Got a nice check. She goes, great. We're getting a new front door. I was going to say you buy a sofa. <laughs> yeah, we got a new front door. Uh, and then She'll the learn thing, about that soon. Uh, it was interesting. When I was with uh, Dean Beeman, former PGA Tour commissioner, 
and we were doing the Dean Beeman 690. It's an um, introductory golf program we, we started in Virginia. He was a big proponent of right hand, the right hand in the putting for the right hand golfer. And so he said to me, Bob, if we put a cup against a wall and you putt to the cup from 15 feet and you set up as a golfer and you're putting to the hole, you're putting to the wall, would you take the quarter, put it in your left hand and move it and throw it to the cup? Or would you put it in your right hand? And I said, well, you know, I don't know. And he goes, oh, one more thing. For all the money in the world, would you use your left hand or your right hand? And I said, I think I'd use my right hand. So, you know, just interesting perspective out there. You know, many times as an instructor, you're going to work around the talents of the individual. But um, definitely that left hand low. Yeah, it's, it's I think with the greens the way they are now, um, years ago, you had more loft than the putter. The greens were different. Now yeah. that... Yeah, well, that's I, I mean, that's a whole I, I agree. I mean, the speed of the greens. I mean, Christian, what do you think? Chime in. Well, I mean, my game stinks as it is. So, okay. <laughs> I don't really have a comment after this wet past weekend, Alan. Christian, if you want to make a, a house call, Brennan and I will come over to Trident Golf Club, but we'll double team you. Or, or you could certainly uh, hop back on the perfect practice putting mat. Or the putting arc, both of which uh, have you know been our sponsors of of the show, uh, Bobby. To your point, though, so and I'll tell you my really brief uh, Strasbourg. I actually, as a youngster playing golf, I walked. I was taken out by the assistant golf pro. We had a slight incline green at Fauquier Springs uh, Country Club in Virginia, where I grew up on, and he dropped a couple of balls, and it's maybe like a twenty, very small putting green, like twenty five feet, and he he literally tied my right hand behind my back on my belt. And made me stand there and practice. And by the way, folks, I'm actually doing that right now. I'm practicing <laughs> with my left hand. And I, I used to win. I, I made beer money every Friday night at college because I would I would putt people one-handed. I can make anything. And Christian has seen this. I can make anything on any green. I believe I can make any putt, which I believe that's 90% of the battle. But if, to my story about Strasbaugh, the coach, the name that the that the national teaching award is named for. I remember sitting with him at the PGA National Convention in '97, and yeah. he's and he's all he talked about is left hand low, left hand low, left hand low, because you had to get that 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 lead hand to Brendan's point had to keep going towards the target to accelerate towards the target, and I think the green speeds allow for that today. So yeah. now, yes. segue, Brooke Henderson, the greens were stimping. At yeah. Seaview this past week, those greens were fast. They were firm. I put out on social when I got there on Tuesday and walked the course uh, that I thought, you know, somebody was going 16, 18 under. And I mean, she got to 12. She probably would she would have gotten there if it was a four round tournament. Um, but uh, fairways were tight, firm. Uh, golf course was playing hard, man. I know she shot 64, but the golf course was playing hard. Yeah. Well, I, I've always loved fast greens, you know, and I think I think professionals love fast greens for sure. And this is just yeah. it, it it setting up, at least in my opinion, setting up with your hands on the on the club that way just takes a lot of the physical, mechanical thoughts that might creep into players' minds and just let them just stroke it freely. And she, she, the last couple of weeks has been doing just that. 
So the other thing that was noteworthy, uh, and I, I, Tuesday was really cool because I got there. I was out there early. Um, and I'm going to say we're going we're to have her hopefully on the show here soon. Maddie Zurich is a LPGA rookie this year. I mentioned it last week when we were we did recorded. Um, she she said, "Yeah, I'd love to love to come on." So I'm going to reach out to her when she finds some time. We can maybe hop on here with us. But we I walked probably six halls with her. Great insight into the Epson Tour and graduating to the uh, to the LPGA Tour. And I said, "So what's the difference?" And she's like, "The venues are so much better." No knock on the Epson venues, but I mean, they stepped them up obviously for the LPGA. She goes, and the greens are so much faster. <laughs> they're fast and they're firm. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a great experience uh, down at, down there. CV always does a great job. Alex McCann, Jeff Carswell, former guy who used to work with me, now the head golf pro. Alex is the director of golf. You guys did a great job. Got ground crew did a great job. Um, the only thing that tournament needs is the, the wind needs to whip off a of Reed's Bay a little bit more. I mean, it was kind of benign. I wanted to see carnage. <laughs> well, we got this week. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Segway. Christian, I know you've been waiting. Are you taking the Brooks Kepka approach of you're tired <laughs> of hearing this shit? I'm tired. You're 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 demor- you're you're cheapening the U.S. Open by talking about live golf. You text me. You text all of us, and you said, "Damn it, I've got powerful words. I got things to say." So you, sir, have the platform. All right, perfect. I would. I'm definitely taking the Brooks approach because it's not about live this week. It's about the U.S. Open. Right. I don't care what people. My my only issue so far this week with is that reporters are asking. Phil, DJ, John Rahm, Morikawa, all these golfers. One reporter blatantly asked Phil Mickelson, since you joined Live Golf, do you now support 9-11? How can you physically ask a question like that to somebody who, if you're an American, you shouldn't support that period that lives in your day for, that lives literally in your mind forever. It was a terrible day, worst day arguably in our history. Everybody knew where they were, who they were talking to, whatever. I don't understand how a reporter can ask somebody like that, Okay. My issue with this as well is that you see now guys on tour. I was a big fan of this individual and this really kind of upset me. Jordan Spieth um, on the range isn't saying hello to Phil, isn't saying hello to Kevin Na. He walks right by these guys like they're the biggest assholes in the world. That bothers me. That bothers me a lot. Jordan should be, in my opinion, ashamed of himself for doing that because it doesn't affect Jordan at the end of the day. Live golf doesn't affect these guys at the end of the day, in my opinion, right? They're making business decisions by going over and playing in there. And honestly, when you have Rory and JT continuing to throw shots at them, that's an issue, right? I, I think at least. And then you have John Rahm that comes out here and says, well, that's not a golf tournament in my mind. Well, who cares if it's not a golf tournament or not? It's 2022, right? Everything's different in the world we live in today. These guys are making a business decision by going over $125 million up front. That's more than Tiger's made in his life on, on tour. Yep. DJ was already set for life. DJ only cares about the majors. Do you think DJ cares about going to Memorial and playing with those guys? No, he doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about Jack's place. He's making a business decision. He's playing less golf. He, can, he knows now guaranteed every week that he gets a paycheck. I, I think live golf is going to explode personally. I think this is only the beginning and truly I think it's going to continue to grow. 
And honestly, I think John Rahm and R- Rory, I think JT and all these guys, I think they're jealous, if I'm being quite honest with you, because they're not getting a call from Greg Norman saying, hey, I'm offering you X amount of money. Maybe they are. I, I, I don't know. But those guys only play in the big tournaments anyways. If you think well, it's already it. it's already been alluded to. Obviously, Chase Kepka's over there, and Chase yeah. Kepka should go over there. He's he not going to make he's not going to make big money out uh, here on the American Tour. He right. should go play in the Live Golf. Play over there. Same with Ricky. Andy, Andy Ogletree shoots twenty four over par and makes one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Exactly. Same with Ricky. Ricky should be the first person to sign up for that. I don't know why Ricky hasn't decided yet to go over there because clearly he ain't making cuts right now on the PGA Tour. He can easily go over and make a million dollars before the end of the year if he wanted to easily. Yeah. You know, so I, I have, I, it doesn't sit well with me that every single person who has played in the live golf, all these commentators and reporters are now asking them if they support. Well, I love your point. I love your point. It is the U S open. And if, if I'm a member at the country club, it's doing such a disservice to that historic venue. Because mm-hmm. honestly, I think the country club is one of the best venues to hold the, the U.S. Open on. Hands down. It, yep. And like it pissed me off when they keep asking these questions about live. Who cares? It's over and done with. That happened last week. Ask about them at, a, at not, a non-major event. Period. That's all you have. That's a uh, period. Right. Well, I mean, you know, that's going to happen, though. Christian. It's gonna I happen, mean, right? Well, it's going it, to. I think it's. I agree. It's stupid. Some is some reporter trying to get a, a gotcha moment, right? With with the the nine eleven thing, but you know that this is the first time that Phil stepped stepped basically in front of a uh, a microphone, especially on well on definitely on U.S. soil. So yeah. I mean, of course they're going to try to light him up. Well, of course, right? But again, if anybody else was in Phil's shoes and DJ's shoes, who would say no to one hundred twenty five million dollars? Who would say no to that kind of money? Right. I wouldn't. None of us. There's, unsubst- there's even unsubstantiated reports, Bobby, that uh, that the Saudis are going to try to buy the DP World Tour. Yeah, wow. I saw that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, on the one hand, if that if the um, the first event was three weeks ago, there shouldn't have been a peep at the U.S. Open. I can I can almost see like a question or two. It's topical. It was last week, um, but it, they've gone overboard for sure. Um, you know the the one the one thing when I heard about Phil two hundred million DJ one twenty five I was just like oh my god, but it really it shook me to the bones when I saw the Tiger one hundred twenty one million in his tour career. I actually thought it was higher, but for DJ to just cash one check and he's now got more in the bank than Tiger. That I mean that thing blew that stat blew me out of the water. I agree. That was, I agree, Brendan. Brendan, what do you think? Or or Schwartzel. Racking in four point seven five million in one yeah. event. I mean, it's it's mind boggling. Which was which was more than what was it? Some crazy statistic like his. It was either like his last three years or his yeah. last yeah. number of victories. Years. Yeah. I, you know, I I just keep going all over the place, and I it's because I get sucked into this media crap that just it it makes me so pissed off that they they're selling newspapers or they're selling magazines or they're selling ad space if they're on TV and that's all they're doing. And the thing is a golf professional that, that I am getting frustrated with is how this is dragging the sport down 
to the non-golfer or the fringe golfer or the people that we've worked so hard to try to get to play the game, watching this nonsense going back and forth. Well, that's I'll, what I'm upset about. I'll, I'll, I'll think of, I'll say it this way. They're, they're union busting. I mean, that's yeah. basically what they're doing. The, the, if you look at the PGA tour as a union, or in this case, as many have alluded to a monopoly, that's what, that's what they're trying to do. They're going to throw the cash at it till they, till they pull the talent away. And then they're going to force them to come back to the table and say, this is no, and, and demand a renegotiation. This is how things are going to be in the future. Or they may steal them all. If they have legitimacy by buying like the DP world tour, and again, unsubstantiated, saw it on Twitter, you know, buying into the Twitter feed. Um, if they have that, wow, it's going to change. Well, I, live is there again, lives there to stay in my opinion. Right. I agree. And I don't they think have it's the money to back it up. And Rory and JT and these guys have been very open about playing with the best players in the world. I guarantee you, you will see more top players in the world going over to live and playing in that. Right. But what's the difference of these guys playing on the PGA tour, going to play on the DP world tour, as opposed to the live, they still get paid over there for playing over in, in the Scottish open. That's yeah. not followed by the PGA. That's something completely different. And I don't think that somebody can, how do I put this delicately? Where the money's coming from, where the money is coming from should be a concern to Americans because of the various reasons that we keep hearing about within these press conferences. But who are we to judge any individual that has an opportunity that comes their way. We can say that they're morally not taking the correct route and that's fine. We're all entitled to an opinion. I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to interrupt your brother, but I'm going to give you right at this morning, Kevin Kalini, Bobby, I think you're a friend with him on Facebook. He's a, he's a uh, national photographer. He very outspoken (laughs) kind of guy. He had a great, but he had a great point. He read his Facebook post this morning. He goes, so where's the criticism of Jack, who's designing nine golf courses, for example, right now in China? Where's the criticism of XYZ of who is, you know, kid or is using sweatshop labor in the in Southeast Asia for uh, to, to sell golf shirts? Where's the criticism of all these other atrocities? i I think the PGA Tour's biggest issue is they've approved the these guys going to the Dubai in the past, and now suddenly they have a problem with it. I, I think the PGA Tour is scared, if I'm being honest with you. I agree. I, I, had, I had more fun, truly speaking, I had more fun, and I streamed it every day when I was in Alabama. I had more fun watching the Live Tour than I ever have watching a PGA event, if I'm being honest with you. I had more fun actually watching it, seeing players that you typically wouldn't see every day, knowing that, like, Okay, I can go out and shoot 24 over par. I'm still going to pocket 120 grand. There's no, there's no stress. Well, how about the caddies? The caddies were had their caddies rooms taken care of, their meals taken care of. The 100%. caddies are, make, Andy, are making out. Andy Ogletree, great player, played had a shitty week last week, yeah. right? Very shitty week for him. There's no stress in the live right now. You can go out and shoot 30 over par every single week if you want to, and you can still go out and cash a million dollars by the end of the year if you wanted. It's again. But my, my, my biggest issue is 
why is it why does Spieth, why does Rom, why does JT and Rory, why do they care so much? That's my big why do they care so much that these guys are going over to play? It, again, it doesn't affect them. You're talking well, it doesn't DJ, affect them now. It doesn't affect mm-hmm. them now. But like you're talking about DJ, Phil, and who else in the top really players in the world? All the top players in the world, 98% of them are still in the PGA tour. No offense, Phil hasn't done crap this season. Same with DJ. Same with Lee Westwood, same with Ian Poulter, Patrick Reed, Bryson, all these guys. Why, why, is it, why does it affect them? They want to play with the best players in the world. They're playing with them right now on the PGA. You know what's an interesting comment I, I keep hearing? Uh, Brent and I have spoken and written about this, the phrase grow the game. Yeah. So I laugh. You know, oh, when yeah. I, you know, when that was thrown out there, it's like, holy cow. I had a conversation with a golfer at my club today about this, and he brought this up about, well, like, yeah, I see them talking about grow the game. Is that right? And I said, Oh my God, don't get me started. <laughs> I just going to, my head's going to explode. So that's comical there. But, you know, I, I, I've been wondering this lately too. If, if it wasn't Greg Norman that was behind this thing, could, could Jay Monahan have an adult conversation with somebody about this? Could, could this be somehow a, a, I don't know, just could, could it be additive? Could it, be an okay thing could it be helpful to the world golf or the golf world or i mean it seemed like it went zero to 500 miles an hour expelling punishing you're gone you're dead to me there was no you know did they even try to have a conversation i don't think so because of greg and the past things he's done it's a hundred percent the players involved when i say players i mean the norman and the bitterness that's gone on the principal how long i is it more because of that than anything? I 100% think it is. I, I've read reports now that people are calling Greg Norman a terrorist. How can you call Greg Norman a terrorist? He's Brendan not- Chambly's demanding that that oh, Norman and Phil be kicked, thrown out of the Hall of Fame. So stupid. Brendan Shamp- uh, That that's not right, in my opinion. I'm sorry, but it's not. <laughs> Mr. Vancouver, you, you won one tour event. It's, uh, you know, again, Brandel Chambly, yeah. I, a lot uh, of what he says is valid, but you shouldn't be calling him as well as Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson. You shouldn't be calling all these men terrorists just because they are joining a league that they're getting paid a, a normally amount of money to play in. I'm going to make my final point on this so we can get on to the, the real topic that should be this week is the U.S. Open. I... I think players made decisions for whatever reason they made the decisions and that's up to them. I'm not going to be super critical. I mean, I may not agree. There's a lot of things I don't agree about, but I don't like say all these nasty things about people if I don't agree with it. And I, I think this goes beyond what's happening with live in the world of golf. This is just the way life is right now. If people don't agree with things, they get nasty and bitter. And, and that's a shame. Because this could be a good thing. Who knows? But I think we should talk about the U.S. Open after you all have one more say here. I, I, my, my last say is I don't I, – I, I realize that the financial backers have potentially more money than God. Um, I recognize that. But I do not see the – because I look at everything as a business. I don't see the financial sustainability of when you're throwing around – Hundred and twenty-five million dollar contracts. Now they're now they're up to a, a half a billion dollars on five guys. 
I mean, I understand they're buying market share. It's no different than Elon putting $44 million down to buy Twitter, I guess, or a billion, excuse me, with a B. Well, I mean, if, it, if it's true, uh, you know, Brando on Golf Channel last night, I, I think it was last night he made the comment that Saudi Arabia makes $1 billion per day. Mm. If that's true, that's pretty much like you said, Alan, unlimited funds. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Christian, you started this shit show. You get to finish it. <laughs> I, my my final thought on that is just like like Brandon alluded to. I don't I don't I don't like to judge people for making decisions like that. If anything, if I was a true friend to them, I would be excited for them. I'd be happy for them that they're making this decision, that they're make that they got the money in and stuff like that. That they're making a decision not just for themselves but for their family at the end of the day. Um, if Live Golf somehow doesn't sustain. So what? DJ still has $125 million in the bank account. He can still and, go play and Paulina. And Paulina. He can still go play in all four majors if he wants to. Because truthfully speaking, it's all golfers to care about is the majors. They don't care about the memorial. They don't care about the RBC. Yeah, it's a trophy that they get in their in their case, but all they care about is the majors. So I um I I hope starting tomorrow that Lib isn't brought up anymore for the next four days because I really want to focus on the country club. It's a phenomenal event that we're going to be watching. You really test all your abilities in the U S open. Honestly, this is probably one of the best courses to have a U.S. open on. So. So. Yeah. So we should probably, we should probably transfer, jump over to that. We do miss Mr. Mr. Heidorn. I, I wanted to actually, I sent him a text, Bob, did you notice this by the way? He chimes in. He teasingly send us send us a video of uh, <laughs> you know from the grounds as he's walking walking around all of us and I said hey I said here's a couple of questions you know we'll, we'll chime you in we'll patch you in put you right into the show and he ghosts us yeah he's a Andy teaser. freaking ghost us <laughs> what teaser. the hell so yeah, so so Brendan I could say. Because this is his favorite part of the show. Hashtag don't be that guy. Don't be Andy. Don't okay. ghost you. Don't go, don't ghost your buds. Yeah. But it's that it's that time of the day. Before we move to Brookline, share with us. Don't be that guy, Brendan. Don't be that guy. The non-trained, very obviously non-trained range guy that goes up and down teaching everybody when he finishes. Oh I, I and I'm we're, this is radio, so there's no visual. But when he finishes, where he has to look between his arms on his finish to see where his ball went. Don't be that guy to give out advice when you slept at a Holiday Inn last night. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. That's the, uh, that's is that because you're wearing a green shirt? You're wearing the Holiday Inn? Is that a Holiday Inn shirt? <laughs> no, it's... It's something for the kids. It says dab with a golfer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Brendan, that's the keep your that's the same guy, keep your head down, left arm straight. <laughs> that has that sleeve on his left arm, so it stays yeah. straight. Oh dear God. <laughs> I can't get my hands through. I love that one. What's that? All mean? right. So Bob, Bob Bob, you grew up in the Boston area. Your your father was a lifelong member of the Boston area. You've been at the country club before. Give us some insight. I mean, we all know about Francis. We met. We all know about 
Well, what a lot of people may not know is these are the some of the smallest greens ever for U.S. Opens. They, they average only 4,000 square feet. And the, uh, the new restoration specialist, the new uh, U.S. Open doctor, no longer is Reese Jones. <laughs> it yeah. just had a huh? – yeah, Gil's doing it. Yeah, he Gil's, does. Yeah, Gil's, Gil's been working on this one for about six years now, taking down some trees, expanding some putting surfaces. Well, it's uh, the country club is literally, uh, you know, top three for me, uh, golf course I ever played. My first time I saw the place, I caddy for my dad in the New England PGA Pro Pro. We finished, went up to the men's locker room. The guys all hung around having a beer. I'm about, I don't know, 14 years old. It was it vivid in my head right now. I'm, I'm looking out the window thinking about this. Um, the, the place means a lot to me. My dad and Don Callahan were really good friends. Um, when I was an assistant up there at Weston Golf Club, Brad Zeitner was an assistant. Jimmy Norris was assistant there. Brad became the head pro. I spent many, many rounds over there. Um, you know, the third hole, I think, is one of the best holes you're going to find. It's just so many of the holes are so good. And you will not see a lot of traditional chipping there. Um, as a golfer, I don't feel – it took me a long time to be – for me to feel like I was a good chipper of the ball because that course epitomizes a lot of New England courses. You miss a small little green, and it's more take your sandwich and be creative to get it back on. It's these little sort of uh, open face shots. The ball gets on and runs. It's not these massive greens where you got to have a traditional eight iron – low running chip. So that's going to so, be interesting. So, so it's, it's, it's not, you know, Sea view this past week, I, as I kept reporting is a second shot. It's a Ross golf course, second shot golf course with, with moguls and mounds. I'm, I'm thinking of the 13th hole, which still just yeah. blows me away. And uh, I mean, you got, you miss that one. You got to get creative. You could do anything with like a four wood, uh, you know, put it up the hill or, you know, try to skip a, skip a wedge in there. I, I agree. New England golf courses are more the wedge, the, the sand wedge and gouge kind of uh, methodology. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of blind shots, some blind tee shots almost, or like not sure where to put it. You got to be really creative. I think whoever wins is not going to be the point A to point B traditional kind of golfer. Um, we'll get to the picks later. I know that, but um, you know, the when when I was at PGA headquarters and I was helping to oversee drive, chip, and putt, we had two drive chip apart regional finals at the country club. And we use the third, when, when you watch this tournament, the 13th green, we use that for the, the putt, the 14th tee, that 14th hole we use for the drive and coming back down, I think it was 15 we used for the uh, chip. Uh, so I was right out there. And, you know, you look at that course, the, the first time we did the drive chip and putt there, we walked on about 6.30 AM, the fog or some sort of mist is happening. It looks eerie, spooky. When you're on those grounds, you really do feel like Francis we met and the ghosts of golf past are yeah. right around the tree. It's one of that's the, that's legend of Bagger Vance. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I was there. I was there for the Ryder Cup at '99. I drove home for that. Um, that place is just for me. It's it's certainly the most iconic club in New England. Well, a lot of people don't realize it's actually 27 holes, and they yeah. mix and match, and they carve out, and they use different holes. Like one of the holes that was used uh, for the Ryder Cup is now actually where they put the media tent. And and this year, the big news is, is that number 11 is uh, going to be actually the first. It's it's one of, it's the We Met hole. 
Mm-hmm. So it's going to be the first time this hole's actually been incorporated in the in the open routing since we met one in night in. It's a short par three. I was reading about this early. I don't know this, you know, I was, but it was Gil took the green. It was just a simple little oval green and he's expanded the green, has a little couple, couple of bump outs, brought it closer to the bunkers. So the, the USGA is going to have some amazing pin, pin locations on this thing. I'm telling and you that, that hole, Alan, it's the same as at myopia hunt club. I think it's the ninth or 10th hole of myopia. It's the short, teeny par three. If you make three, you literally run to the next tee. Like <laughs> how short it is. You run and go, thank God I made a three. I'm out of here. Well, I'm, I mean, Christian, I make three. I'd make three, no problem, right? Make three with your eyes closed, Alan. Yeah, <laughs> true. No problem. I love those little holes. I wish there were more 95-yard, crazy, tough little holes out there. I agree. I think I think that's the perfect – golf course architecture is uh maybe that's because i can't play anything longer than short par three anymore but uh <laughs> well you saw it at the pga with the short par four i mean how pivotal of a hole was that and these are the best players in the world that are were making messes of what on tv looks like a fairly I, benign hole i can remember when we were talking about the uh the, the dell match play with uh that little hole that they were hitting lob wedge and missing the green on down mm-hmm. at Austin Country Club. So, I mean, yeah. a golf hole, yeah, a golf hole does not have to be long. It, it just has to have some unique features to it. And I'm telling you right now, what Gil's done with that hole, with, with the green, if guys, first of all, if, if they put a front pin location and you're buried into that bunker, you're going to have a hard up and down out of there. And if you play to the back of the green and you're putting back down the hill, you may have a whole nother problem. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, that's the idea. Like it's these uh, and those par fives. If you go for it in two, you better hit almost a career shot. I don't. It'll be interesting to see how many of the guys go for it in two on the par fives because the greens are small, and if you miss them, a few, a couple of the par fives, well, you cannot miss it more than a few paces, and then you're looking at seven and eight. Christian, did you see the? Uh, did you see the video? I think it was on Twitter. Um, where they were literally dropping a golf ball on the eighth fairway. Oh, yeah. And, and one rolls into the pond, and the other one rolls like 40 yards down. The It all depends on where it hits. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. I, I love U.S. Open Week. I love when the scores are on even par, over par. I love watching these tournaments because it actually shows that there are, they are human and they make mistakes and they got to play their best golf. I mean, the country club is no joke, and you know the fans are going to be out. They're going to be they're going to be rowdy. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be a great open to watch. So, I think that's the coolest thing about our, the the four majors in golf is they all have just like their own uniqueness to them. I mean, obviously Augusta is Augusta National, and with the history and everything, but we know that course. We've talked about that you know, during Masters Week and after, we all know those holes intimately. And then, you know, uh, an open championship, we all know those courses and that rotation intimately and the history with that. But the U.S. Open, to Christian's point, is it's usually carnage. And I loved when, remember like Justin Timberlake played, I can't remember which U.S. Open venue it was, but they get normal halfway decent amateur golfers out there playing these places and 
trying to break 80 or 90 or whatever. Good luck on that. Um, but it's just so fun to to not watch these guys struggle, but watch these guys be tested and not seeing 30 under par. There's something to be said about 30 under par for sure, too. That's fun, too. But this is so cool. And then you add the history, which Bob's talking about um, being up there and the history of, you know, uh, of the country club. It's just it's just so cool. And I, Christian, I agree with you, man. This is this is by far I'm a huge master's geek but this is by far one of the funnest weeks of the year to watch golf. Yeah. One of one of the original founding golf courses of the USGA, I believe one of the original 13. Uh, so yeah, I actually hope you, 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 you raised a point. I actually hope, and you're seeing the USGA do this with Oakmont with Pinehurst and these anchor sites. I hope they don't go to a full rotation like the open championship has it's cool because you get to know the golf course is intimate you know swillick and burn and you know the the road hole and you know this and you know that and the postage stamp and all these different various on the various courses but i like i like the uniqueness of going back to some venue like i want to see it back at marion i want to you know marion's too short in, in some ways now for an open course even though played to minus one, I think that mm-hmm. week when Justin Rose won it. So uh, I'm 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 so stoked to see him back up at the Country Club. I think it's such a fantastic epitome of a really a, a wonderful uh, open course. It, you can hold anything up there, but I'm I'm thrilled it's back home. Yeah. All right, Christian. You want to you want to break it down? Who wins on a golf course like this this week? Yeah, I, I think. Um... It's somebody who keeps the ball in front of him as a decent putter. Or a, yeah, a decent putter, I would say. Somebody who's been playing really under the radar as of late. My pick Sam Burns this week. I love Sam Burns. That's solid, man. I do think we will see a first-time winner this week. I, 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 I believe that. First that would time be fun. I was going back and forth between Burnsy and, um, and Zal Torres, but I think with Zal Torres inside five feet, I think his putting stroke is going to kill him this week. Zalatoris is due, but he can't putt inside five feet. So, right. I'm going to go. That's my pick, Sam Burns. I think Zalatoris. I think Zalatoris's first major is the Open Championship. I can see that. Where you can just kind of smack at it with your putting stroke, you, you, these as opposed to these slick greens on some of these other ones. So, but will we? St- I still love you, Will, because you know I, I called you first right out of the, off the corn ferry. Just, just saying. <laughs> um, I'm going. I'm going a different direction. I'm actually going with a guy with the hot the, the hot game right now. Rory is looking impressive. And I think whatever reason why he's looking impressive, whether he's got something to prove, whether he's I, I'm saying I'm saying Rory gets it done this week. Best driver of the golf ball out there. Yeah. I'm gonna go with couple of predictions i'm gonna i was torn between rory the hot hand but cam smith uh, i just felt like cam smith might be ready for that he i just something about his game i think could be suited at the country club uh but i got rory 1b and then you know probably the third qualifier from the ohio sectional qualifier some unknown as usual would be top three the first day top 10 the second day those you know, Walter Mitty kind of 
out of nowhere stories are cool. Uh, um, a person I know, not super well, but Fran Quinn qualified. Um, that's a mm-hmm. cool story. 57 years old, Boston. Yep. I played some junior golf against him. Um, you know, those are the those are the cool stories about the U.S. Open. So if you're wait a minute, if you're going to throw a one B, I want Roy McIlroy. Okay. Done. Brandon, I I can see going with the hot hand. I wouldn't necessarily say Rory. I would say maybe JT. Uh, to win major would, number two? I, I think JT has a good shot. I'd love to see Rom um, win it again. That would be cool. But like Bobby said, one of the coolest things about U.S. Opens is how open of a tournament it really is. This this kid I shared a link on Facebook about this this uh, – what was the name? Luke Gannon. Oh yeah. That kid. Great story there. Such a cool story. And we had a kid local qualifier from right up the road from me in the Barry country club, a little, you know, so, so Muni course. And he was chasing the dream on mini tours and stuff. And he qualified those stories. Like Bob said, that's, what's really cool about a U.S. open, but those guys may have a good round opening round or may be on the leaderboard early, but they're, it's too much of golf for somebody that's not tested. So I think, you know, somebody like a JT or a, or a John Rom. All right. There you go, folks. You have the, we hit the panel has spoken. Um, Christian 18th green winding down before you put the flag stick in. What do you got? Um, yeah, my final thought is um, screw COVID because I feel like shit and I'm running for <laughs> that. Um, and it's only not 8.45 in the evening. Um, I, hey, in, in all honesty, I just got to say thank you because you know what? I know we haven't seen you in a few weeks. For you to, for, for you to this, this was a gutty performance, folks. We're not talking maybe like Tiger playing on one leg at the Open. <laughs> We're not maybe at that level. He's better than Tiger playing on one leg. But you know what? You you have definitely put forth a gutty performance tonight. This is better you're, than you're, Tiger. You're, 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 grind, you're grinding. I got. I always got to grind for the boys. Come on. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, my final thought is continue to follow us on social media. Guys, we got um, – there's going to be possibly some changes coming to uh, the show in the next few, uh, few weeks or months, so stay tuned to that. It's going to be a lot of great content that's going to be coming your way. Um, you know, like I've always alluded to, we do this for you guys. So any way we can change or be better or anything that we've been doing, right. Just please continue to let us know. Um, you know, that's, I'm excited for the open this week and, um, you know, I'm excited to see who wins. So. Brendan. Yeah, ditto. It's it's an exciting week for golf and I, I hope we can keep the focus on where it should be this week. I'm before I give. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the New England guy to take. Even though I'm a New England guy, I'm going to let Mr. New, but Mr. Boston, uh, finish it last. I just want to give a plug out. I'm going to be checking in this week with, from the Meyer LPGA out in Grant near Grand Rapids. So check our social for that. I'll be uh, getting some good uh, some good press release information there. Uh, insight into the golf course. Uh, I, I'll tell you what. 
the, this past week, hanging out down at the shop right again. Uh, now that you know we're able to, after COVID, able to start going to some of these things again. The world's opened back up. It is so cool. These girls are so talented, and they deserve all the recognition in the world. Uh, I had a chance to chat with Lydia Co. Greenside after her round. I mean, and they're so uh, appreciative of the fans. I mean, she probably stood greenside for 30 minutes signing every autograph before she headed to the putting green um, after her uh, her Saturday round. So uh, please give them a, give them a look, really. All right, Bobby, what do you got? Last hole. Put the, put the stick in. Well, I believe if I could uh, um, bring a little of my old Boston accent back, uh, <laughs> you're going to get a wicked, exciting – U.S. Open and some shots you never ever might have seen, and I think a um, pretty pretty me I I think could be a playoff is in the works. There's been other playoffs, U.S. Opens at the Country Club before, so um, I'll be glued to the TV. I'll be thinking about being home, but um, you know, as you're going to tee it up here for Christian to say, you better not hit it crooked and short at that place. No, you should not. And uh, may the ghost of Mr. We Met uh, shine through for some youngster out there and, and contend. So, Christian, when you get feeling better, hit it long and straight because it beats you hitting it short and crooked. Thank, thank you once again for bringing that up. You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30-plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.